It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 21st, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to preview game four of the Magic's playoff series against the Toronto Raptors as Magic take on the Raptors at 7 o'clock at the Amway Center in what really kind of, sort of, does and is, feels like a must-win game for the Magic to even their series of two instead of going back to Toronto down 3-1. Should be another packed house at the Amway Center. Watch party is taking place on the Church Street Plaza outside the Amway Center. Again, fans are encouraged to arrive early for all the pregame festivities. Uh, as the Magic try to even their series with the Toronto Raptors. We'll catch up with Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors after Game 4 on Tuesday's episode of Locked On Magic ahead of Game 5. So definitely look forward to that. But today we're going to talk all about Game 4. And so before we do that, I want to remind you that if you want to hear what Sean has to say, check out Locked On Raptors and check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just like we cover the Orlando Magic and Sean covers the Toronto Raptors with excruciating detail, There's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Want to get the lowdown on how James Harden and the Houston Rockets somehow won the game despite Harden missing his first 15 shots? Check out Locked On Rockets. Ben DeBose does a great job covering the Rockets. There's a Locked On podcast covering every NBA team again, plus the NFL, MLB, and colleges too. You can also check out Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball for your national basketball perspective. All that and more on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Find them on iTunes or the Himalaya app. Get podcasts delivered directly to your mobile device. Subscribe to new podcast. Subscribe to podcasts. Create playlists and even discover new podcasts. All on the Himalaya app. You can find it all on uh, on those apps by searching for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. The Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Steve Clifford concluded his press conference on on Friday night. By saying, look, it's not like we're down 3-0. We're down 2-1 in the, in the series. It's a difficult series for sure. We've given up home court, but we are not out of this thing yet. And Clifford is absolutely right. One win and one loss can really change everything. It's, you know, Magic fans, and I'll include myself in this, you forget the ebbs and flows of a series. You forget what these battles are like. And you forget that it's very easy to feel like you're on top of the world after a win and you're at the bottom of the hill after a loss. Very, very easy to feel like that. And so while Game 3 was disappointing, especially coming off of Game 2, Orlando did take some steps forward, did give themselves a chance to win the game, and are far from out of this series. A win in Game 4 changes everything. A 2-2 series makes it a best of three. Orlando's already proven they can win in Toronto. And yes there would still be enough time to get this thing done. So, Game 4 
obviously vitally important. Without doubt, going being tied 2-2 is very different than being down 3-1. But you don't sense this perhaps do-or-die urgency. I mean, I think there is urgency, don't get me wrong. But you don't sense that the Magic are in full panic mode quite yet. Certainly, I don't expect Steve Clifford to go out and make some drastic change to his rotation. I know some Magic fans suggested Magic might need to start Terrence Ross to get that bench spark they have immediately in the game. And I, and I do admit that, that there is something perhaps to that, although I don't see that happening considering the Magic have never tried Terrence Ross in the starting lineup at any point of the season. That we might be getting to that point. Clifford is not one to panic, not one to rush to a judgment, not one to change what's worked for 82 games even with how the team is playing. But there are several things that he believes the team needs to do. There are several things that he knows the Magic have to do to take that next step, to to get that win, and yes, even this series on Sunday night. It's the problem with the Magic this series hasn't been fight, or in, in most cases, desire. The Magic have played with the right energy, the right effort. It's something else that Steve Clifford explained in a little bit more detail after practice on Saturday. Our, our effort last night and our spirit and our fight, really good. Really good. I mean, this is all I told them today. When people say, oh, they're young or they don't have many guys that played in the playoffs, you could say that about game two, not last night. The problem is last night is the purpose part. It's not enough to play hard against a team like this. Um, you're not going to have a lot of room for error. So you got to play hard. you got to play with purpose, and we didn't do that. Accepting perhaps those offensive rebounds they gave up at the end of Game 3, it's hard not to disagree with Clifford in that, in that statement. The Magic played extremely hard. They played fantastic defense. Defense good enough to win the game. They are giving effort, the first efforts and second efforts that they did in Game 1 defensively. Offensively, they stuck with things and, and found a little bit of groove. But the issue remains execution consistently. The issue remains doing the little things that the Magic know they have to do to win games. As Clifford said in that clip, their margin for error remains extremely small. Extremely small. And so when the Magic come out and give out the first 10 points of the game, when they turn the ball over five times in the first six minutes of the game, that puts them on their back heels, that puts them in a position, in a posture to give up big runs, to give up control over the game. It puts them in a bad position overall. And that is what's really meant by purpose of play. Purpose of play has become, um, you know, I think I think even Frank Vogel used it. It's become this like coachism, this coach speak that describes more directed effort. You know, I think everyone likes to say, oh, when a team loses, it's because they didn't try hard. No, it's certainly not because they didn't try hard. The Magic are trying hard. You can see them fighting and struggling and, and, and getting frustrated. You know, guys, you know, honestly, mistakes are being made on the court. No doubt about it. But you don't see quit. You see, even if it's Evan Fournier or, or whoever forcing a drive to make something happen, it may not be the right play. But the effort is there. I think, I think Clifford's described this a little bit as offensive force. It's all really the same statement. It's a statement that the Magic have to execute more efficiently and more effectively. 
And honestly, that's been the series. This series has come down to whether the Orlando Magic can execute their offense with any kind of consistency. Every player on the roster knows it. Every player on the roster knows that their issue has been their inability to get into their offense. When they've had these flashes, like that third quarter run with Nikola Vucevic when they took the lead 61-60, to or the end of the game when Orlando erased a 12-point deficit, got it down to three in about four minutes. Everyone can see when they are able to get things right, they are still pretty good. Just play better offense. Um, you know, our defense has been great. Uh, try to control some of their guys, their main guys, but uh, just our offense has to be better. Um, you know, get easier shots, not forcing things against their bigs, and uh, just play together more. Yeah, I, f- I feel like we, we, um, we feel like we can get any shot we want against their defense. Um, it's just a matter of us being ready and being, being ready to shoot the ball and knock it down. And, uh, you know, if we keep getting those shots, eventually they will fall. Um, but we have to do that from, from the start. We have to start like that, moving the ball, finding each other, and start to finish. And that is really what this game is going to come down to. Game four, I mean, I'm going to go into some of these keys here in a moment. But game four is all about finding that purpose of play. It's all about executing. Taking the hits that the Raptors are going to give, and they'll give plenty. They've smothered the Magic with their ball pressure all series long. But the Magic found some ways to break it down. It, it took them a while. It certainly, you know, was unfortunately took them a little while, and Evan Fournier admitted it took us a while to figure it out. And these games, it's taken us a while to figure it out, but once we have, we've kind of held our own. The Magic have to find, find their groove early. They have to figure it out and, and play at a more directed level early on. And that's honestly what this game comes down to. All the other stuff is honestly window dressing. Because the big key to this game is the simplest key to this game. If the Magic play with effort and they execute to get good shots, the biggest thing missing is the Magic have to make them. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And so as we look at Game 4, and, and look back at Game 3 a little bit, as we look at Game 4, this you know purpose of play is a big deal. That's how the Magic get good shots. It's, how, it's, it's about cutting harder. It's about setting screens. It's about getting into the paint, dishing out efficiently. And then at the end of the day, it's about making shots. Steve Clifford is a Pat Riley disciple. 
And so he says the same line that a lot of coaches around the league say. Stan Van Gundy said it when he was in Orlando. It's a segment on the jump. This is a make or miss league. At the end of the day, this league comes down to whether you can make shots or miss shots. Steve Clifford has dismissed a lot of questions about adjustments that this team has made. And yes, this team has made several adjustments, tactical adjustments, that are very clear, including on offense, which which have worked to more mixed success than some of their defensive adjustments. He will not admit to any of these tactical adjustments and says, you know, honestly, in this league, the greatest adjustment a coach can make is to have a guy who shot, say, 1 for 12 in a game, shoot 6 or 7 for 12 the next. Yes, you can do things to get open shots, but at the end of the day, it's on the players to make shots. And as I remind, as I try to remind people online here, whether you're arguing about the officials, whatever you're arguing about, the big picture no longer matters. Right now, it's all about getting wins. The result is all that matters. I am a big, during the regular season, process over results guy. Do the right things, and over the long run, you will get the results. Throw that out the window right now. And and honestly, I, I think I even said this during the playoff push. Throw all that out the window. Because when you're in a playoff elimination situation, which, let's face it, the Magic are Sunday night, and the Magic have been throughout this playoffs. It's all about the result. That is all that matters. Everything else is secondary. You win or you lose. That's all that counts right now. And so, yes, it comes down to making or missing shots. And this has been one of the big weaknesses for the Magic. And, you know, I think that it's no coincidence that the Toronto Raptors have allowed the Magic to shoot a ton of three-pointers. They had 43, I think, in Game 3, way more than the Magic should be taking. But, at the same time, a lot of those shots, surprisingly, were open. According to NBA.com's tracking statistics, the Magic were 12 for 29. 41.4% on three-pointers where the defender was six or more feet away. 12 of 29. That's That's good enough for an entire game. If those were the only threes the Magic shot all game, they would have been in good shape. And in fact, they were, I think, I think they made only two other threes. If those were the only three-pointers the Magic took, they got 29. The Magic for the season averaged 32.1 three-point attempts per game in the regular season. Say what you want about Game 3, and there were some issues with the offensive execution. They turned the ball over too much early. But Orlando, and there were definitely a lot of possessions that ended in four shots because the Raptors' defense does such a good job scrambling and and closing down space, but the Magic got a lot of really good shots. Evan Fournier had some open shots that you expect him to make that he missed time and time again. And that's a shot you want Evan Fournier taking. But the bottom line is, too, the Raptors want the Magic shooting threes. They want them shooting from the outside. 
they have spent a lot of this series completely ignoring Jonathan Isaac on the perimeter, daring him to shoot. I believe it was two for seven from beyond the arc in game three. Two helps keep you honest, but if he's shooting two for seven from three, I think the Raptors will take that as a victory. Throughout this series, Orlando has simply failed to shoot. Failed to shoot efficiently. Failed to shoot effectively. For the series... Orlando is shooting 37.8% overall and 33.6% from beyond the arc. That 37.8%, especially coming from inside the lane, a big issue for the Magic has been their inability to finish at the rim and in the paint, and that's another key to this game. Orlando's got to finish on their drives. That'll loosen everything up too. The Raptors' length has given Orlando problems. And Orlando doesn't have a guy that can break anyone down off the dribble without a pick, and that's brought extra defenders into play. And Toronto's just decided, we're going to pack the paint, challenge everything, deflect passes back out to the perimeter, and if Orlando gets open threes, so be it. We can live with that. They don't have enough shooters to beat us. That's been the defensive strategy, and it's worked. But remember this. Orlando shot poorly from beyond the arc in games two and three. In game one, they shot 40% from beyond the arc. They were 40% overall for the game, but 14 of 29 on three-pointers, 48.3%, including DJ Augustin's big three at the end. Orlando can shoot well, and that's the big X factor for this team's defense. Orlando starts making threes, starts working the ball around to get open threes. The Raptors will back off. They'll, they'll open up space. They'll rely more on their individual defense, on their one-on-one defense. They're keeping the pressure up to get the magic out of rhythm, to hurry the magic and force them to miss these open shots. Because game three, Orlando got open shots. But as I said before, the big key to these games, to anything Orlando does, whether it's getting in the paint on drives whether it's shooting from the perimeter, the Magic have to make shots. Sometimes the answers are really simple. Yes, Orlando has to execute and and play better to get better shots, to keep getting these looks and get these looks more consistently. They have to keep attacking and getting to the foul line. That's been a big boost to this offense. As bad as the offense has been, Getting to the foul line has kept the magic in games, both in game one and in game three. But at the end of the day, Orlando simply got to make shots. I I really wish I had a more complicated answer that I could explain to you, but the magic have to make shots. They're getting good looks. Not all the time, not for the most part, but they are getting good looks and they are missing them at an alarming, not an alarming rate, but at a rate that is not going to get this team where they want to be. And if they want to win game four, if they want to win game five, if they want to win game six, and if they want a game seven, they've got to make shots, period, full stop. Everything starts and stops there. You make shots, you can set up your half-court defense, which I I honestly think the Magic's half-court defense has been fantastic. You make shots, that means you're getting good shots. You're not turning the ball over. 
That's what this series is coming down to now. Toronto's making their shots when they have to. They're not playing great. They're not playing like amazing offense. Orlando's played great defense. But they're making shots when they have to in enough string. They're getting easy shots when they can. And Orlando's had to scratch and claw for everything. And that's maybe got them rushing a little bit on the open shots that they get. So key number one is simply to make shots. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. But on the defensive end, the Magic certainly have some things they need to adjust to. Their defense on Kawhi Leonard in Game 3 was fantastic. Aaron Gordon was, despite what Raptors fans might say about the fouling, and, you know, I'm not going to debate that. He, they're probably, he probably got away with a few fouls and, and being a little more physical with Kawhi Leonard. That's what he wanted to do. But I thought his individual defense on Kawhi Leonard was fantastic. He held his ground constantly. He didn't reach. He, uh, attack, he blocked shots. He challenged shots. It was a great defensive performance from Aaron Gordon. I don't care if Kawhi Leonard was hurt or not. On top of that, Nikola Vucevic did a much better job setting his line. He even blitzed some screens. I couldn't believe what I was watching when he blitzed some screens. He wasn't sitting back and catching a lot. He went after Kawhi Leonard on several occasions on pick and rolls. It was, it was fantastic to watch. Uh, but he set his line a lot better. He forced Leonard wide a lot more. And on top of that, the Magic usually brought a third defender down toward the paint to guide Leonard back to Vucevic, back to where they want him to go so they could get guys to recover and then scramble back out to three-point line and contest. If the Magic employ... Uh, Leonard's going to find a way to beat that strategy and, and it's going to take another really strong effort to slow him down. But if the Magic are able to load up on Leonard like that, that's going to make the matchup with, Pas- excuse me, with Pascal Siakam all the more important. In game four and game three, obviously... Siakam was the star. 30 points, 10 rebounds, 13 for 20 shooting. He dominated the game. But like I said yesterday, I ventured to guess that most of Siakam's misses came with Jonathan Isaac defending him. And the stats bear that out too. In Friday's Game 3, Siakam scored only... Nine points on four for 10 shooting against Jonathan Isaac. Nine points on four for 10 shooting. Yet, at the end of the game, Steve Clifford went with his normal rotation and played Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross together. Again, a lineup that's worked very, very well for the Magic. He wasn't unreasonable to do this. But Siakam torched those two at the end of the game. Anytime Siakam was switched on to Fournier, he torched them. Torched them. 
with those two on him. Siakam scored 14 points and made all six of his shots. 14 points and made all six of his shots. They simply could not body up, body him up. They couldn't slow him down. And Orlando can't afford to double two guys. I'm sorry. And Siakam doesn't run as much pick and roll, so there, there's less reason to double or less ways to double at the end of the day. How the Magic, you know, the matchup with Kawhi Leonard's first and foremost. Orlando slowing him down was vital to, to having a chance in Game 3. Now they got to find a way to slow down Pascal Siakam. And I think it really comes down to this. There should be no possessions, or as few as possible, where Siakam or Leonard is not guarded by Gordon or Isaac. Clifford's already matching Gordon's minutes with, with Leonard's minutes. When Leonard comes out of the game, that's when Gordon gets his breather. When Leonard's back in the game, Gordon is always in. There's been maybe three minutes this entire series where Gordon played when Leonard was not out there. It's a big task. But the story is not the same for Jonathan Isaac. And I think this is a big mistake. Clifford is stuck to his rotations for the most part. And I think... Well, I agree with his logic. I, I don't think he made a bad decision going with Fournier and Ross at the end of the game. That lineup has worked for the Magic. It's delivered for them at the end of games throughout the season. It is perhaps their best high-usage lineup that they run. But I can't say that I would not have gone back to Isaac. But the way Fournier was shooting especially, I think I would have rather have had the defensive presence to keep the Raptors where they are, and trust Isaac will hit those shots that the Raptors are going to give him than to go and then to stick with Fournier who just clearly didn't have it that game. You're not coming back in that game if you don't get the stops. I don't think Clifford was wrong. His logic was sound. His decision-making was sound. But I do think there's a fair question if this is not the moment, if this is not the point of the season that you look to not exploit a matchup, but make sure you have a solid matchup, a solid defensive matchup on a player who's clearly rolling. If Siakam was at 12 points on 4 for 8 shooting, you know, something like that, I think you're okay going to Fournier Ross. But the fact that he was torching the Magic with 30 points, and, and he's had a good run against Isaac in this playoff series, although I think Isaac has bothered him. He's gotten his shots in on this one. Even though I think Siakam is won the matchup. Siakam's been probably the best player for the Raptors all series, you know, including Kawhi Leonard. But I do think that that there is a point in a series, in a matchup, when you're looking at a specific matchup with another team, that you have to look to tweak rotations, to roll with what's working, to make sure you get the win. All I would ask from Steve Clifford in this game and game four is to recognize this reality. That the Magic cannot guard Pascal Siakam without Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac on him. In the same way they're matching Gordon's minutes with Leonard's minutes. I think we're at a point where you have to match Isaac's minutes with Siakam's minutes and just take whatever loss you might get from Isaac on offense. The offense is already struggling. 
The defense is still what's important. And, and honestly, Isaacs had a really good offensive series. His three-point shooting is the concern. He's got to make threes. But guess what? When you trusted Isaac in game one, he delivered. In fact, in that game, he played nearly 40 minutes. Big contributor on the defensive end in that game. And then, of course, he hit the big three that tied it late in the game off the great ball reversal from Nikola Vucevic to Aaron Gordon to Jonathan Isaac in the corner. He had a great game on Friday. Really good defensive game, I thought, as well as strong offensively, especially early on. His shooting definitely tailed off as the game went on. This isn't, this, this isn't saying you can't trust Evan Fournier, you can't trust Terrence Ross. It's just a recognition that you lose that matchup. You have no chance in that matchup if Isaac's not on there. And so I do think that a small tweak or change to the rotation is warranted because now you're matching up specifically against another team. It's not abandoning the horses that got you here. It's not abandoning the method, the the way that you got here. But it's just a reality that this is a matchup. Now, I, I will grant Clifford this. I do believe that if, say, Toronto had called a timeout, instead of playing through, instead of going through the flow of the game, Clifford would have gone back to Isaac to make sure they had a strong defender. But because there was no dead ball, because there was no timeout, he he had to stick with Fournay Ross because that lineup is the Magic's best offensive lineup of of the season. I don't know about this series, but of the season for sure. But these are the tough decisions a coach has to make. And even if he's making a logical decision, he has to make the right decision. And whether a decision is right or wrong, you know, you can never know if the alternative decision would be better, but we'll judge whether the decision was sound or the correct decision based on the result. And I think game three proved that you can't just go with what works all the time. You got to go with what's, or what, what's worked for you in the regular season all the time. You got to go with what's working in the here and now. And so I suspect, and I hope, that Isaac will see his minutes match Pascal Siakam's. I think that is their best chance to slow him down and give themselves a real chance to win this game. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device, including the Himalaya app. Discover new podcasts, create playlists, and download your favorite podcast directly to your device. Only on, or not only, but on the Himalaya app. They'd like it to be only on the Himalaya app, but but it's not yet. They'll they'll get there. I believe in them. It's a big it's a big hill to climb. See what I did there? Um, You could find me, of course, on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD, and of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to follow. Be sure to check us out at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Follow us on Twitter as well as at OMagicDaily during the game for updates from the Amway Center. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock at the Amway Center, Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Playoffs. There'll be a watch party outside in the Church Street Plaza if you can't make it inside the building. If you can make it inside the building, it's going to be a fun time. Another loud charge atmosphere expecting another sellout. Friday's game was the second most attended game in Amway Center history. Let's make Game 4 the most attended game in Amway Center history. If you have not been to the game, if if you can get tickets to the game, you will definitely want to be there. Magic, at the very least, fighting for their lives. Could very well be the last home game. And I I think this has been a really memorable season and a season that we will look back fondly on 
uh, as the magic as magic history moves forward. So um, definitely want to be in the building for a, what should be a fun and exciting game on Easter Sunday. We'll check in with Locked On Raptors Sean Woodley on Tuesday's episode of Locked On Magic as as the series kind of turns toward home here. Um, so definitely look forward to that. We'll have a recap of Game Four on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. But until then. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.